Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. What is going on, Belt Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports Podcast, where teachers grade sports' biggest issues, and it is time for the midterm, which is presented by my bookie. This week for the midterm, we're going to be looking at how to make some NBA picks. If you've been following me on Twitter at painsworth 512 you noticed I've been making a few picks for entertainment purposes. I mean, purposes. I mean, purposes only. So without further ado, let's break down how to make some picks on the NBA playoffs. All right, first, I want to reiterate that the midterm is brought to you by MyBookie. That's MyBookie. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. You can double your deposit up to $1,000 US using code FNSports. That's double your deposit up to $1,000 US using code FNSports. Make your picks anywhere, anytime, on anything with MyBookie. They do picks on everything from horse racing to basketball to draft picks to award shows to the Academy Award shows type of award shows. They got everything. So make sure you go to mybookie.com. Place your best day and use code FN Sports Time with Sense. You get double deposit up to a thousand US dollars. Alright, so we are going to look at picks for Wednesday night's NBA playoff games. That means if you're listening to this on Thursday, you may be laughing at how the picks get made, or if you listen to it on Wednesday, you should go to mybookie.com make sure you get to place some of these picks. But as we look at this, we're going to look at the Milwaukee Bucks heading to Boston to take on the Celtics in the Garden, and we're also going to look at the Golden State Warriors heading to Memphis to take on the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant. We'll talk about how that works in too. So let's go ahead and dive on in to making some picks. So, as the moment we're recording this, the spread in the Milwaukee-Boston game is minus 5.5 for Boston. That's plus 5.5 for Milwaukee. The money line is minus 230 for Boston, or plus 185 for Milwaukee. And the over-under is set at 214.5. Now, several of those are interesting numbers. The 214.5 is interesting to me, because as you look at the series... Only one game of this series has gone over 214. Now, I think that that's an anticipation of teams figuring one another out and probably scoring some more points while they're setting a little bit higher. But I have to say that feels like something I'm going to take the under on because if I look at the series, there's two teams that are very talented on the defensive end. Both teams in the top half of the league in defensive rating, even if Milwaukee obviously is also in the top three in offensive rating, yielding a pretty good Net rating, I want to say both these teams seem to focus on defense on the floor. You look at them, that makes sense too. When you think of guys like Drew Holiday is a lockdown defender. Giannis Antetokounmpo is pretty old defensive player of the year candidate. Brooke Lopez, another big. They have two bigs in the back line that pull in Bobby Port sometimes 
off the bench in Milwaukee. In Boston, while they don't necessarily have the size that Milwaukee is operating with, they obviously have defensive player, the Marcus Smart. He's back. They've got great wing defenders, great length. Jason Tatum is listed at like 6'9", but he's definitely closer to like 6'11". He's long. Jalen Brown, same kind of build. You've got a lot of length there. Al Horford's playing out of his mind. Uh, and then a lot of scrappy, scrappy guys. Even these smaller guys like the Peyton Pritchard of the world, well, they're not the greatest defenders, will give 100% effort on the floor and so i feel like that's why this series has been so low scoring so in the over under set at 214 and a half i'm taking the under that means both teams if i predict like a 107 105 score that's 112 right and i don't think we're getting to the 115 to 110s and those kinds of things i'm sitting down at the winner the winner of this game probably scores just over 100 if i'm looking at the last few games as indicators and looking at their matchups during the regular season as indicators the other aspect of the over under i want to point out here is even if Milwaukee throughout the season feels like a higher scoring team than that. A, they also play great defense. That means that would hold Boston a little bit lower. B, Boston's defense is going to obviously hold some of that back, whereas their regular season numbers on offense in Milwaukee aren't always playing Boston. They play each other a total of four times. But I will say that Chris Middleton being absent for the playoffs kind of hurts the offensive side of those four regular season matchups and more makes it not only because it is the playoffs and it's worth looking at the playoffs makes it worth looking at the playoff point totals as more indicative of where the offenses will be because Chris Middleton is such a big part of the Milwaukee Bucks offense he's a secondary creator secondary scorer and he makes the tough bucket the tough pull up and those kinds of things once the offense is having to steer away from Giannis if the defense is building that wall the defenses tend to do against Giannis so I'm going to take the under on that for sure that was the quickest thing I saw in looking at the, the pick lines right here and so I'm going to go under for sure the five and a half point spread is interesting because, again, only one game has been under five and a half points thus far in the previous four games of this series. But you've also only had one game where there was any sort of a blowout type of game, right? The Celtics won game two by like 20. I'm looking at this 23 points. And so that's the only game that's had a double digit victory. Or I guess the first game was an 11-point victory to free throws, 12-point victory to free throws. Uh, but it, the only game that felt like a start-to-finish blowout of sorts was Game 2. And so if I look at this, I'm thinking I'm actually going to take Milwaukee at plus 5.5 because I think the game is more likely to be under 6 points than it is to be over 7 points just because there's a bigger window there. I also think it's worth pointing out at this point in the series, you've got teams starting to tighten up. They understand each other a little bit better. And I think that, like... Milwaukee's two-point win in game three or Boston's eight-point win in game four, both being single digits, feel more indicative of the series as we go. I also think it's worth pointing out that that game four turned on a big dime down the stretch and Boston gets hot, Milwaukee's kind of spinning. Had that game kept going, I guess it might have been extended farther, but also it's not like Boston's going to be that level of hot. They're not going to get 40-point quarters for the entirety of game Five. If they score 160 points in 40 point quarters in Game Five, Milwaukee's got a whole other problem, and gamblers probably do too. So I'm going to look at this as a game that's within six points. That means I'm going to take Milwaukee plus five and a half. Um, I think what comes next for me is the closest thing you get to picking an upset here, and this is where I go to the stuff on the floor. I'm picking Milwaukee to win the game on the money line at plus 183 as well. Obviously, that the plus five and a half helps there, but I'm looking at Milwaukee win the game. Because I like to look at the picks on the games as who I see winning big picture, what I see happening big picture here. And I, I do see Milwaukee winning this thing 
in six. I, I've been favoring Milwaukee throughout the playoffs. And I think what ends up happening here is you start to look at more of the narrative type of arcs as you're looking at this. I know gamblers hate to think of this, but when picking money lines, I think that that's important. And it's worth looking that like Giannis typically, when you're looking at his successful postseasons, does figure these kinds of things out. When you're looking at times that the Jay Brothers and Marcus Martin, this these iterations, plural, because I guess the auxiliary pieces have changed, of Boston have kind of fallen apart. It's been late in long series. They don't get swept a whole lot, right? That's not typically how the Jays go out. Um, but I could see this being the kind of moment where Giannis takes over. Giannis takes that Al Horford game four personally. Takes the, he came back, he dunks on Giannis, casts him with the elbow in the neck, those kinds of things. He takes those things personally, and then all of a sudden, Giannis comes out for like 45, 15, and 7. Or like something silly, right? Just something absolutely absurd. Uh, he's due for one of those kinds of games in this series. And I'm not just speaking it into existence, I don't think. I think that's really like if you watch the Milwaukee Bucks game plan, a lot of their stuff is get out of the way, right? Get out of the way and let Giannis do his thing. I also think it's worth pointing out as I look at Milwaukee that they're starting to find open good looks from three again. Uh, if you look at the shooting percentages, obviously they lost game four. But game four, they got much closer to being at 37.8%, back to their normal regular season three-point percentages. Obviously, that's at home, so you can see it dip down to closer to 35 or 36 on the road. It won't quite be 38%, but I will say that if they're shooting the three like that, even without Chris Middleton, that's going to be tough for Boston to keep up with because Milwaukee's strength is the way that Giannis penetrates, collapses, and penetrates and punctures the defense and all those kinds of crazy things he can do. And then kick out, you're out of rotation, the spin around, they find the open guy for three. If they're shooting at a regular clip, they end up, I think, winning th these games fairly easily. Whereas, like, in game two, when they got run out of here, they shot a solid 16.7% from three, right? Now, I think that some of their attempts actually weren't awful that game, but they figured out how to create the open threes in game three and four. And assuming the percentages continue to stay at the mean, I think that that means they'll have good looks from three. Whereas if I look at the Boston Celtics here, they're slightly worse in attempts and getting about 35 looks from three up per game. And they're slightly worse in three-point percentage at about 35% per game. Now, both teams are in the top 10. Milwaukee's in the top five. And Boston comes in at number nine in the league on both statistics. But I think it's worth pointing out that those points start to add up in a slim margin game. And this series has, except for one game, really been slim margins. I know you look at the overall box score from the first game, like, well, that was 12 points as well. But if you're watching that game, the way the free throw shook out the end with a couple misses down the stretch, that much that felt much more like, I should say, more like in the six to eight point game range. And that's what carries over. The free throws to the misses don't always carry over the way you play the free throw game down the stretch. But the way that the game was played up until that two minute mark when that happens was. Now, could we get to the free throw game at the end of game five? Absolutely. But the thing there is then now you're looking at, but does the team that is down make their free throws or the team that is winning, I'm sorry, I should say, make their free throws and the team that is down miss their jump shots to make that extended and lead and extend the game that way. I don't think that happens multiple times in a series to either of these teams. Uh, both teams have a plethora of good shooters and that should be okay. So I'm going to take Milwaukee. I'm going to take them at plus five and a half and I'm going to take the under. That's what I'm recommending you should do as well. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're a listener to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, so the late game on Wednesday night is the Memphis Grizzlies hosting the Golden State Warriors. Golden State, worth pointing out, were 31-10 and 10 at home this season and about 500 on the road. And so as you look at that, I think that would make people think, huh, maybe this is Memphis's chance to take advantage of home court advantage and kind of make a push to get back into this series, especially when you saw how hard they played for so much of game three it took a big big golden state warriors comeback towards the end of that game led by a bunch of auto porter threes which i don't think anyone expected uh to come back and win that game i have to say though as i look at this series it looks like john morant it was ruled last night on tuesday night is officially going to be out for the rest of the playoffs with a bone bruise and it feels like that has to be relatively deflating for the grizzlies right they put in so much effort in game four They thought they had it under control. They lose the game in the end. They don't have their closer to help them out down the stretch. Frankly, you had some guys handling the ball down the stretch that didn't need to be dribbling the ball off their shins and those kinds of things. Like, didn't need to have the ball in their hands. If they had John Morant, they'd probably hold on to win that game even with the Otto Porter barrage of threes. And to have all of that effort come up in a loss and then get told on the day in between that you're not going to have Morant the rest of the way, I... It just feels like that's the gut punch that makes these things go awry. So as I look at this series, if we go back to the over-under, because that's always the first and most interesting thing as I see it, the over-under is set at 218.5, and I'm hitting the over there hard because, A, you've seen this series in four games go over that mark twice and go like way over that mark twice. B, if you look at the way this series has played out, as you see it go back and forth, back and forth, the games tend to go high-scoring, about 100 high scoring and about 100 game four was at about 100 so that i think indicates that the pendulum swing of game five with teams making adjustments and so on will swing back towards the high scoring kind of output we see here and c i also think that deflation we talked about to open this game with golden state having all of the advantages coming out of game four going against memphis who found out they don't have john morant i think that that big gut punch is going to lead to, uh, let's say, when it rains, it pours, snowball effect. Once Golden State starts getting hot, it starts ending. Uh, I don't mean to say that Dylan Brooks won't play hard, doesn't Bain won't play hard, Jaron Jackson Jr. won't play hard, but you had extraordinary effort from them in Game 4 to come up short. If things start to go awry in the third quarter, when the third quarter Warriors show up, 
I feel like that's going to be the gut punch that kind of ends this thing. Not early, but you could see the scoring start and the offenses start to really pick up and the defense is maybe not where they dial in. It's like, we have to keep up with these guys, right? And so that's where I see that heading towards the over, both in the way the series is going, but the way I see the basketball playing out. And it's worth remembering these Golden State Warriors can flat score some points, guys. They can score a lot of points really fast. Uh, Clay will have one or two plays a game where he looks like, ooh, he's never going to be the same. But then the rest of the game, he looks he looks fine, right? And so, well, if, I think it's worth pointing out, like, we hold him to the standard of the 73 win Warriors Clay or game six in the finals Clay or, or whatever. Like, game six Clay may not quite be the same thing ever again. But he's still one of the best offensive threats in the league because you have to keep up with him. You can't lose track of him. And it's so fast when he catches the ball and lets it fly, right? Like, I think that that's an important factor of what they're doing. I also think it's worth pointing out, like, Steph's going to Steph. As we watch this, Steph's going to Steph. Uh, Jordan Poole also appears to like playing the villain. I imagine he gets a barrage of boos in Memphis. And. While I, I see that working to some guys to their disadvantage, I think that actually works in Jordan Poole's advantage. And I can see that kind of being the thing based on watching him get fired up at different parts of the series and over the course of the year. I think that's going to actually fuel his engine as they take this thing home and go again over to 18.5. The spread is set at minus four, and the money line is minus four Golden State, and the money line is minus 175 Golden State. And I have to admit that. Maybe I'm re- reading too much into this John Morant injury coming down as bad news for them, or maybe I'm reading too much into the third quarter Warriors, or maybe I'm just holding on to that Otto Porter crazy shooting fourth quarter, but I just feel like both of those feel like easy picks on Golden State to me. I, I think that Golden State wins this game outright. I have to say, if John Morant had been in the series, I thought this thing could go seven early on. It was one of the most fun playoff series early, but I just see this thing getting wrapped up tonight. I know that there's a final push, and that's probably what's hedging the points there you'll have some extraordinary efforts from guys like Desmond Bain down the stretch you'll see Brandon Clark try and dominate the inside against typically smaller defenders right I guess Kevon Looney's a little bit bigger but you'll see him going over the top of guys like Draymond because he's got a little bit of a height advantage there you'll probably also see something like Zaire Williams get hot because he'll feed off the home crowd and I'm sure all of those things will be really really real I just think that Golden State takes this home Now's the fun part. Now's the part where, because I'm so confident in this one, we're going to talk about what would happen to make me wrong. You come back to the time machine and said, hey, Ainsworth, that was a bad pick. And here's where I could see that going awry. In game four, you saw the Grizzlies replace John Moran's starting lineup with Steven Adams. They flipped the script. They went Tyus Jones, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. They went really, really big. If Golden State cannot shoot the ball well enough to make them pay, I anticipate they will. They've got some of the best shooters of all time. But if Golden State cannot shoot the ball well enough to make them pay for that, then oof, that could be a long night. Because, theoretically, the worse that Golden State's shooting, the more rebounds there are. The bigger Memphis is, the more rebounds they get. They have Steven Adams, who's literally the bigger version of Aquaman, down low, dominating glass with his size. I think it's worth pointing out, he's a, such a difficult man to move that he's going to dominate the glass based on his size if Golden State is not shooting the ball well enough to run him off the floor. Jared Jackson Jr. as their second biggest guy and what is typically their small ball big move to match up with the Warriors as their second biggest guy. All of a sudden, that's dominating glass a little bit further. That's more reach. That's more length. That's more size around the basket. And Jackson Jr. showed in game four 
that he shoots the ball well enough to stretch it out beyond the four. So tonight they're going to crowd the lane on offense. And then, frankly, it <laughs> it's time for Dylan Brooks to show up on offense. Like, Dylan Brooks shot the ball horribly. He dropped the ball off his leg a couple times. He was awful down the stretch on offense in Game 4. He was suspended in Game 3. I He was tossed early in Game 2. I, I, I think it's worth looking at, if we look across the board in this game, if Memphis is going to really do this and flip the script on the series without John Morant, it's going to be because Dylan Brooks plays well. And I'm not betting he does because he's spending so much energy on defense chasing Steph or Clay around, whichever one the play depends on. But if they were to win this game in series or have a comeback in this series, it's going to be because he's playing better. He played 39 minutes the night. It was a minus five. But I'm not looking at like the ratio of that necessarily as much as I'm looking at just his pure two for nine from three. He had four turnovers, like five fouls. That's just that kind of Dylan Brooks can't show up and play for this Memphis Grizzlies if they're going to win. If anything, it'd almost be better playing Zaire Williams a lot more minutes. And so I guess you can see some, while well, I'm saying they go back to the roster that they tried to start with in game four and just run it through and see if it pays dividends, I guess you could flip the script some and play Kyle Williams, or, or Kyle Anderson, I should say, or Zaire Williams over Dylan Brooks and shrink those Brook minutes from like 39 down to like, 14 maybe and see how that flips the script as well but on the whole I just don't know that I see it happening and as much as I love Taylor Jenkins and I do think he's got some innovative stuff from a schematic standpoint one of the he's drawn up some of the greatest ATOs this season you want to go back and look at some highlights online obviously the one they drew up earlier in the series where John Morant ends up missing a layup but it got John Morant a layup with his left hand at the rim like when everyone in America knows he's getting the ball at that spot, like he's a brilliant play caller and designer. I don't see him as the rotations guy here. And this is, looks like the kind of thing where they've got to figure out the right lineup and the right pieces and do it fast. And that's not his strength as much as he has other strengths. And so I'm going to actually say that if he were to buck the trends and do that, they might have a shot here, but I just don't predict that's happening. All right, friends. Do you feel like you know how to make your picks? Are you laughing at me because you think I'm horribly off on these picks? Either way, thank you for listening to the show to get to this point. You can find me at Paintworth 512 on Twitter to tell me what you think of the picks or which thing of the show or what other picks you'd be making. That's at Paintworth 512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512 on Twitter and Instagram. This show also has Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And on Twitter, we're at F in sports too. That's F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S number two, all one word on Twitter. Both of those social media handles have a link tree in the bio. Hit the link tree to check out all of our different sponsors. From those sponsors, you can find things like my bookie, where you can use code FNSportsW to deposit up to $1,000 US dollars. The midterm is always brought to you by my bookie, so thank you all for that. You also find our newest sponsor, InTheClutch.com, makes different sports themed t shirts for all your favorite cities and teams. Make sure to check them out. Use code FIS, code FIS will help you out there. Thank you all for supporting the newest sponsor and supporting the show. You can also find a link to the merch store on those link trees. The merch store has all kinds of different t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs, different charities supported every month. In May, we're looking to support the ALS Association with a special Lou Gehrig-themed design with pinstripes and navy and those kinds of things. Make sure to check that out. Support the show. Support a great cause every month. We also have a bunch of different designs from previous months online that still send money 
to the different charities. Make sure you go check that out. Make sure you stop us supporting the show. You can do it for free by liking, subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing, doing all those wonderful things to help out the podcast. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.